exactly. Uh, I'm going to begin today a series of Sunday morning uh, services on our walk. Uh, and the book of Ephesians deals with this a lot, and we're going to just kind of take a look at it and uh, dissect it through. I heard this saying years ago, uh, none of you here knew me back then, so no, none of you said it to me, uh, but maybe you've heard it. It's something like this, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You got that? It's like this, if you've ever said to your kids, don't do as I, yeah, do as I do, not do as I, yeah, you get the idea. Do as I say, not as I do. I'll get the saying eventually. But you know that as, you've, as often as you've said that to your kids, do as I say and not as I do, what do they grow up to do? What you do. You know why? Because your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And uh, so I want us to catch hold of that and I want us to see it in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be- begin in chapter 2, so you can turn over chapter 2, and uh, we're going to begin... Prior to knowing Christ, if you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, this first description is about you. So we'll read verse 2, have a word of prayer, and then kind of jump into the message. It says in verse 2, wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Father, I ask that as we uh, look at the uh, scripture here today, that Lord, we would see Uh, our walk, and the Lord, we would recognize the power of our walk, and that we would allow you to change our walk, to mold and shape our walk so that it would be after the image of your Son. Father, uh, we'll just thank and praise you for all that you do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here is first this description of our walk without Christ. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm sure all of you can remember when you had not yet trusted Christ as your Savior for some of you, I know it was you were very young because you grew up in a Christian home. But for those of us who did not, uh, I was 16 years of age when I finally heard the gospel in such a way that I said, today is the day of salvation. You know, now is the accepted time. And I was sitting in the choir loft at a Baptist church and uh, had to step down out of the choir to trust Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't have to do that to trust Christ, but that's what I did. I stepped down out of the choir and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and uh, God changed my life completely. So uh, as we you know, don't know Christ in time past, we were walking this wrong direction. We were going a way that we should not go. But look at verse 1. Go backwards now for a moment, because Paul is not writing to unsaved people. He's writing to Christians about their walk. And in verse 1 he says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's the way we used to be, dead in trespass and sins, walking after the disobedient children, walking in this way of darkness. That was before we knew Christ, right? What is that song Jack used to sing all the time? Um, Jack and, I believe, actually Jack and Kelly sang it. What is that? I discovered the way of gladness, right? Before we were walking in this horrible walk, but now we have an opportunity... We have been quickened, and that's the walk that we want to have. Look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he uh, loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and hath made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By the way, 
He hath made us to sit. What is the tense of that? Let's go to English grammar for a moment. What is the tense of that sentence? It's past tense. Do you understand this? Christian, we are already there. We're sitting in heavenly places already. It's done. It's because it's all through him and not through us, right? So who uh, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that, the, that in ages to come he might show forth, show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And then, of course, the famous passage that we know, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now then, it goes on to talk about the Christian. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Say that again. Good works, which God hath before ordained. What God has ordained is that everyone who comes to know his son as their savior, God has ordained something. And look what it says. That we should walk in them. What is the them? Good works, right? So God has called us unto good works. Remember First Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3? Uh, all scripture given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto what? All good works. This is what our, our walk is to look like. If we're saved this morning, if you're not saved, then we need to back up to verse 2 and 3 and figure out then where you really are in, in your life and understand that God wants to quicken you and give you the wonderful gift of eternal life. But as Christians, what God's expectation about our walk is, is that it looks like good works. Now he's going to spend the next uh, few verses, actually the next chapter really, kind of giving us an overview somewhat of what those good works are. Uh, I was having a, a discussion with Michael, and it is kind of interesting to throw in here that those good works, I'm just going to throw this in. This really isn't part of the message, but it just was on my brain because it's Michael's fault. And so uh, anyway, so those good works are not of outward things. Do you understand? In other words, you know, okay, so I gave money. I'm a good Christian and I dress the right way, and I'm a good Christian. No, that's not what this is all about. Those good works are not going to look these, this, all, like all of this outward stuff. Take a look at what it's going to be about uh, as we get into this. Go down to verse 19 real quickly, if you would. Uh, now, therefore, ye are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the... What is that next phrase? Hey, folks, we're family. And it seems strange to me that so many Christians seem out of place around God's family. We're not supposed to, we're here, out there, or in this world, that's where we're supposed to feel out of place. But now we are fellow citizens, and we're part of the household. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't feel strange at home. Do you feel strange at home? You know, at home we feel comfortable. We let her hair down, so to speak. I love doing that. <laughs> you know, we take our shoes off and we relax and we are ourselves at home. And the idea of this Christian life is that it's supposed to become comfortable for us to walk in the things of God. We're part of the family. 
it should be uncomfortable for us to be walking out there. That's where the uncomfort is, or the discomfort is, is when we're trying to walk like the world. But when we're walking in good works, one of the first things that happens is it's, it becomes comfortable. We're fellow citizens here uh, with the saints and of the household of God. Now we're going to go into chapter 3, and I want to just highlight some verses. I don't have time to go through the whole thing, and this is going to be a series we'll keep building on as we go through. The first walk that is being described in this book is this walk of good works. That God wants the life of his people to be exemplified by good works. He has called us unto it. He has ordained that his children should walk in good works. And so go down, to you would, to verse 7 of chapter 3. Wherefore, now I know Paul is talking, and I know that there's a uniqueness to what Paul is talking about, but God, or Paul is describing what knowing Christ has done for him. Now look at verse 7. Wherefore, I was made a what? Oh, look, there we are. In order to have this impact, one of those things we need to do is to be a minister. Right? The idea of a servant's heart. Jesus described it this way. If anybody's going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, what do you have to do here? Be a servant. To who? Everybody. I'm a servant of all, right? To be great in the kingdom of heaven is to be a servant of all here. This good works concept that, that God wants to, to uh, exemplify his family, his household is one of good works, which means that it is ministering. Now, in order for me to minister to you, what has to be true about my thinking? Just throw something out there. You can talk to me. Do I have to know you in order to minister to you? No, I'm sorry, I don't. No, nope, don't have to know you. I can minister to somebody I've never met before. We call that person the Good Samaritan in the Bible, right? Didn't know the guy, but he ministered. What, what does my thinking have to what? Okay. Okay, wow, now we're, now we're starting to feel. All right, one is I need to know the Word of God, right? If I understand the Word of God, then I begin to become a servant, a minister. That happens with the knowledge of the Word. But the bill was pointing out, you know, it's hard to minister to people that you're not around. Right? If you're going to, if you closet yourself in your house, are you fulfilling the walk that God wants your life to be? I'm not saying if God closets you in your house, all right? If God says, you know what, you're going to be on your back and you can't go anywhere for the next uh, two years because of this sickness, that's not you. That's God. All right? We're not saying, that's, that's, I'm not speaking to that person. But I'm saying that if you draw your circle so tight, then it's really difficult to minister to other people. And one of the first things that God describes as the Christian life, good work, that his children ought to embrace is that we need to become ministers. We need to have a concept of other people. What, what should my thoughts be if I'm going to be a minister? toward you. Okay. See Christ. 
Love for souls. See, listen up now. Here's the thing. I'm going to put all that together in one saying, all right? If I'm going to minister to you, I must, I must need, so to speak, um, think more highly of you than I do of myself. And do you know what Paul says is one of the problems with Christians? That all too many of us think more highly of ourselves than we ought. That's what the Apostle Paul says, right? We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Jesus said, if you want to live the Christian life, and if you want to embrace this Christian life that I've called you into, and that my Father has ordained that everyone who follows me will do, good works needs to be something that exemplifies us. And one of the first things the Apostle Paul points out is this ministering mentality. That we live our lives for other people. You know, I'm going to be honest. It's tedious and tiresome and difficult. And if it weren't, it probably wouldn't be worth doing. And if it weren't, then why would I have to beat myself into subjection? Why would I have to, you know, submit myself if it's so easy? You understand? This is against our nature. It's my nature to think of myself first and you second. But in order to have this good work mentality that God wants us to have, I am going to have to learn to be a minister. Going down to verse 8. It says, unto me, Paul's still talking, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. You know the next work, the next good work that the Apostle Paul points out is humility. It is humility. Now, by the way, that ties itself in with ministering, but the concept that I am least. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'm just saying some of this for joke, but it's not for joke. It's really kind of, but um, when you drive to Meyer tomorrow or Kroger or Walmart or wherever you do your shopping, How fast do you race to get to the closest spot before the person who's coming from the other direction? (laughs) Now, Pastor, you're meddling. You're not preaching anymore. But I am pointing out that this is our human nature, right? We excuse it for all kinds of different reasons. Well, you know, uh, I I need to be closer because I'm in a hurry. You know, and by the way. I'm in, I'm in a hurry, and I'm a pastor, so I'm doing the things of God, so my work is important. Yeah, you get the idea? I mean, fill in the blank however you want. How, how desperately do you work to get your seat in the sanctuary? Right? I say this quite often, because it's true. If you get up and look, you'll, know, you'll see no numbers. There's, there's no assigned seating here, right? You don't have a ticket. And there's no number assigned to your seat. And so, but we get into a habit, and we, we want to convince ourselves that we're servants, that we, that we really live for other people, and yet we're missing this major part of humility that would say, I am least. What I want is the last thing that we should consider. We should first consider what God wants, 
and then consider what you want, and then we can consider what I want. Right? I'm the least. That's where the Apostle Paul comes. This is... This is that concept of the good works that God has called us to. Go down to verse, uh, or let's finish verse 8 and see what it says. Not only then, because I am least among the saints, that this grace is given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you know that God ties witnessing into this concept of the good work that God wants for us? So often, we get tied up with the outward stuff, Right? Well, you know, I'm going to keep my yard clean because I want my neighbors to, you know, I don't want to embarrass my neighbors. And that's good. I think you should keep your yard clean. But that's not the good works that are most spoken of. That's dealing with the outside, right? The Pharisees were really good about that. They had whited sepulchers, but inside were dead men's bones. And so they were really good about making it look good on the outside. And sometimes we're like, I look good. Good. I'm talking about my clothes, right? And we convince ourselves that that portrays our Christianity. But, but God says our, our Christianity is portrayed by our ministering. Our Christianity is portrayed by our humility. Our Christianity is portrayed by our willingness to share the gospel with those who desperately need to hear it. That's the good work. And if we're leaving those things out, all the other stuff is fluff. It really means very little. Now we're back to that do as I say, not as I do concept. It's no wonder we're raising Christians that never share the gospel with anybody. Do as I say, not as I... Because our walk talks louder than our talk talks. And God is wanting to do this work in our hearts. Go on down to verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. You know this work that God wants to have? Isn't it, isn't it um, well, there's two sides to this. Sometimes it's refreshing. Sometimes it's just scary to find a Christian who believes that God will answer prayer. Right? Sometimes it's refreshing. When is it refreshing? When they want what I want. But sometimes it's scary. You know, whoa, that guy's over the top. You know, it's easy for us to say, God, here's what we do. We say, God, please bless my family. And then we convince ourselves that God's answered our prayer. How do we even know? Doesn't the Bible say that God reigns on the just and the unjust? How do we even, if our prayer is so generic, how do we even know God's answering our prayer? But then we come across that Christian who is very specific in their praying. And that makes us sometimes feel a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Whoa, they're just a little bit, they're a little out there, Pastor. You know, we, they actually believe that God hears them and is going to respond to them. Maybe a vice president or something like that. That God actually responds to them. Right? I, 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 it kind of makes us nervous when we get around that. But you know what a good work that should follow God's people is? A boldness in the access that we have with the confidence and the faith that he hears and answers our prayer. Give me an amen, somebody. Does God do this or not? 
And yet, we're hesitant to ask him to do it. It's no wonder that we raise a second generation of weak and anemic. Because they're doing exactly what we did. And they didn't listen to what we said. Let's, let's make sure that our walk is what it ought to be. Because our walk talks louder than our talk talks. Go down to verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know another great work that follows this person who says, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to allow my walk to speak loudly is this act of submission. When is the last time that you can remember the Lord speaking to your heart and you genuinely submitted? I'm not saying that you came forward at the end of the service and prayed and then walked out as if nothing ever happened. I'm saying that you submitted, that you bow, as that song we just sang, I I love that song, Bow the Knee. I could sing that all day long. I heard somebody back here, Miss Nancy was telling Miss Judy, I've been singing that song all week. (laughs) It does kind of stick, right? But wouldn't it be an incredible experience if God's people actually walked out of here this week and the song wasn't just running through our head? but that we were literally submitting ourselves on a regular basis to the will of the Father and not to our own will. Because God said it, I I may not like it, it may not be what I think I ought to do, but God said it, I'm going to do it. And if the Apostle Paul had to submit, do you think you and I might need some submission? The Apostle Paul says this is one of those great works These works ought to be following after the children of God. And it ought to become a very comfortable situation. In fact, if you go on to Ephesians chapter 5, which we'll get to a little later on, and it talks about husbands and wives and children and bosses and employees, and it makes a statement that is shocking. It does not say only, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. It does not say only, Employers, employees, submit yourself to employee, employers, I'll get there. You know what it says? Submitting yourselves one to another. This is, the, this is what Christian life looks like. It's a constant, I mean, we are, I want to make sure I say this the right way. We are that cartoon, we are the cartoon gophers, right? Because if I just say the name, it would be really bad. For me to just, so Chip and his brother Dale, okay, right? So if that's what, remember? Do you remember them? No, you go first. Oh no, you go first. Oh no, you go first. Oh no, you go first. Do you remember? The, remember that that cartoon? And they they it took them. Now the problem is it did take them a long time to get anything done because, but that is literally to be the mentality of the Christian, and in order to do that, I can never get to that point if I don't start with submitting to my Savior. How can I have an attitude of submission to one another if I can't bring myself to submit to the one who died that I might have life? The one who who carries the scars of his love in his hands and his feet and his side. How can I submit to, how can we submit to each other if we can't bring ourselves to bow the knee to our Savior? 
When is the last time that you can remember saying, Lord, I will surrender what I want so that I might do what you want? That's a good work that ought to become comfortable for God's children. And go down to verse 20. Tying into that earlier verse in verse 12 where you have prayer and confidence and all of those things, Paul wraps up this concept of these works that ought to follow after God's children with saying this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. This concept that our confidence in him keeps building and growing as I submit to him, as I witness to others, as I find it comfortable to humble myself and become a servant rather than expecting people to serve me. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? If you find yourself complaining in church this morning, then let me be the one to tell you because I love you. You're not... You're not being a servant. That's not a servant's heart. Wow, we ought to be willing to bear all things so that the other might be encouraged and uplifted. And these are those good works. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is this. When people hear your walk talking, what are they hearing? Because your walk is talking louder than your talk. What are they hearing? 